Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the following message. All right, good morning. How are we? Good. By the sound of your voices, you're doing a whole lot better than that. So let's just say, how are we? Good. All right. Good. It's good to see you. Good to see you this morning. I hope you're having a great weekend. Um, it's great to see everybody. Good to be in worship with you. If you're worshiping online, we want to say thank you for tuning in and worshiping alongside of us. It's a great morning because we are starting a new series. Yes. And so I have to remember to say, or remember not to say, join me in the book of Matthew, which I've been trying to teach myself all week, but I keep for whatever reason, seem to fail at that because we've been in Matthew for such a long time, which has been a great time in the Sermon on the Mount. But now we're going to switch gears and we're going to be in a new series called The Path to Purpose. The Path to Purpose. Uh, it is my hope, my sincere hope, that everybody who calls First Baptist Belt in their home experiences great purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in their life. That's my hope for you. I think that's Jesus' hope for you. And I think actually he gives us a vision for what that looks like. He gives us a vision for it, but not only does he give us a vision, he also gives us an invitation into that as well as you and I are faced with the opportunity to follow Jesus. I believe that Jesus gives us an invitation into finding purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in your life. Now, maybe you recall in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus calls some of his very first disciples. And here's the phrase that he uses. Here's, the, here, here's what he tells them, speaking to Simon Peter and then also his brother Andrew. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. This is a calling that Jesus places over their lives and what they don't know at that time is that Jesus is going to take their ordinary lives, people just like you and me, just good people, hardworking people, fishermen, and he is going to make their ordinary lives extraordinary. And he is going to do that as they choose to follow him. He is going to bring about a purpose, a meaning, and a fulfillment in their lives that apart from him, they could never experience. They could never experience that. And so as you and I choose to follow Jesus as well, as we choose to get on the pathway, so to speak, where we connect with him, where we grow with him, where we serve with him, and when we are multiplying him to the ends of the earth, I believe that we are going to find purpose, meaning, and fulfillment. And so things like parenting, Things like our jobs, our relationships, our hobbies and our interests, our finances and any other thing in our lives, as we submit those to him, as we choose to follow him, he brings about great purpose, meaning and value to them. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, you may be asking yourself a good question. I hope you are. Well, okay, Logan, I hear you. I hear you. But where does this all begin? Where does the path to purpose where does that actually begin? Well, it begins with a question, but it's not just any question. It's the most important question that anyone could ever ask because it has the power to change everything in your life. 
The way you choose to answer this question that we're going to talk about this morning has the power to transform everything in your life, every nook and cranny, everything, your parenting, your careers, your jobs, hobbies, interests, finances, everything, everything about your life, it has the power to change depending on how you answer this question. So if you have your Bible, I hope you do, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, Jesus is going to have this interchange with this, this ruler, the text describes him, and he is going to ask this question, the most important question that you can ever ask yourself. Luke chapter 18, we're going to be in verses 18 through 30. All right, Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's your question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice what Jesus says to him. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all of these things I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, but there's one thing that you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And just Jesus seeing that he had become sad said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, then who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left all of our homes and we have followed you. And Jesus said in return, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left their house or their wife or their brothers or their parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come will receive eternal life. The most important question that anyone could ever ask is, how do I inherit eternal life embedded in that question has the power to transform everything about your life everything about your life in Luke chapter 18 verses 18 through 30 Jesus has this exchange with this young ruler and he begins his time with him asking this question and he says this in verse 18 good teacher Good teacher, how may I inherit eternal life? Most important question anybody could ever ask. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. Christians and non-Christians alike have all developed answers to this question, haven't we? See, the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us that God has placed eternity in all of our hearts. 
all of our hearts, there's something deep inside of you that God has placed in your heart, in your soul, that, desire, that, that makes you desire and long for something more, something bigger, something greater than yourself. He defines that something bigger as eternity. You and I are all longing for the eternal. And so what we do is we seek to answer this question, but rather than answering it rightly, we seek to fill this void with other things. And I think there's three major things that we fill this void with that I think and I hope that as we see them, God will transform them in us. The first way that we answer this question is this, it's in this way, that eternal life is achieved in our goodness. How do I inherit eternal life? Well, you inherit eternal life by achieving some level of goodness. That's one way that we answer the question. Again, in this opening verse, the ruler, who many would say is a religious leader, describes Jesus as being good. Embedded in this assumption of Jesus is that people can be good, that people are all basically good, that in the end, if you're a good person, it'll probably work out well for you. It'll work out well for you in the end. It's this idea of moral goodness, that if I live an upright life, if I'm nice to people, then surely in the end, it'll work out for me. This is what uh, sociologist Christian Smith has called moral therapeutic deism. I know, say that with me. Moral therapeutic deism. Big fancy phrase that just simply means that there is a God up in heaven, right, who is looking down on people and if people just live a moralistic life, then in the end, it's going to work out for them. It's going to work out for them. Maybe you found yourself believing that same idea as well, right? That, that person named Jim who lives on your block, who's a good old boy. He's a good guy. He does good things, serves his community, really good guy. But you don't really know if he has a relationship with Jesus, but, but he's, a good, he's a good guy. Surely he's earned that. Right? Or, or, or maybe that, that, that lady that you have in, in your life who, man, she's just so sweet. Gosh, she says all the right things. She's so nice to people. But you don't, really, you don't know whether or not she has a relationship with Jesus, but surely it'll work out in the end. And so we're faced with the question, if eternal life can be inherited based on how much good I do on this earth, well then you have to ask yourself the question, well, how much good is good enough? And then at the end, you find yourself going, well, did I do enough good to tip the scales so that, so that I'll be accepted in the end? Listen, that's a dangerous way to live. That's a way of life that has very little to no hope. And so if it's not based on how much good I can do on this earth or how good of a person or how upright I can be, well then surely, surely it's eternal life is achieved by merit. That's the second one by how many of the laws that I follow, that if I can just follow all of the commands of the Bible, well then surely I'll inherit good eternal life. Notice again what he asks of Jesus. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, what must I do? I need to feel like I do, I wanna do something. So, so well, if you're the teacher of the law and, and you've come to, help me, then what is it that I'm supposed to do? 
So often we become consumed with what we can achieve or what we can earn on this earth. But what Jesus is going to show us this morning is that eternal life cannot be earned. It can only be received. Eternal life cannot, will not, be earned. It can only be received. Which if you're anything like me, that's tough. That's hard. You know, from the moment that we go to school in kindergarten, we're told that you got to color in the lines, and if you color in the lines, then you can go to first grade. Right? Y'all remember that? And then in first grade, right, the goal is you got to be able to read. And if you can read, you get to go to second grade. Right? In our work life, if I perform uh, my, my duties, my job description, if I fulfill my, my duties, then I am available for a promotion if I earn that promotion. So you and I, deep within us, have this desire and have this mindset that we have to earn, that we have to do, right? And yet here, Jesus is saying, and what he's going to say, is that eternal life can't be earned. It can only be received. It can only be received. What must I do to, in turn, to inherit eternal life? You can't. You can only receive it. In verse 20, Jesus answers that ruler's question. He says this. He goes, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And then notice in verse 21 how the ruler responds to Jesus. He says, well, yeah, I know all those things, and I've kept them since my youth. What he's saying is that since I was a youth, I've learned the law, I know these things, and I've kept them. I've lived in obedience to them. I've lived in obedience to them. Do not commit adultery? Check. Do not murder? Check. Do not steal? Check. Honor my father and mother doing the best I can there? Check. Don't bear false witness? Check. All of these things I have done, and then some. In fact, I've kept them the majority of my life. You know, it's in this moment that I picture this man on the outside, very upright, put together, standing before Jesus and arrogantly says, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but I've done it all, completed it all. And you know how Jesus responds to him? Jesus responds to him and he says, yes, but there's one thing that you still lack. See, on the outside, he's proud, arrogant. Oh, I've done it. I've completed everything. Surely, if, if you're going to let anybody into eternal life, if anybody has earned that, it's me. But on the inside, he's frustrated, burned out, exhausted. On the inside, I picture a man bent over on his knees going, surely, what, what else must I do? And then Jesus, in verse 22, gives him the most crushing phrase. Oh, but there's one thing that you still lack. What a crushing weight over his shoulders to think, I've done everything and yet there's still one more thing. His whole life working towards this goal is still not enough. Ever feel that way? That you're just not enough? That all the things that you're doing in life is just not enough? Exhausted, frustrated, burned out, 
trying to find your purpose, your meaning and value on this earth. And the more you do, the more exhausted you become. It can't be earned. It's only received. But you know what else? It can't be bought either. Eternal life is not based on our goodness, on how good we are. It's not based on our merit by following the law. But it also can't be bought. This is the third one. Eternal life is achieved by a certain amount of success. That's how we answer that question. If I just arrive at a certain amount of success, well then maybe, surely, surely that'll amount to something. Surely that will get me there. It's important to note that this man has everything. He's described as a ruler, which means he has authority, he has power, he has respect, he has wealth, he has fame, he's known. He's got everything that he could possibly want, and yet embedded in the fact that he's coming to Jesus, asking him, what else must I do, shows you that there's still a gaping hole in his soul. There's still something dramatically missing in his life. If he would come to Jesus and say, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's obvious that there's something he's missing. You know, in, in 2005, there was a 60 Minutes interview that was aired. It was, it was on Tom Brady, and it, this was really, really interesting. But the uh, interviewer asked Tom, he said, Tom, you're 27 years old. You got three Super Bowl rings. You're married to a supermodel. You have all of the fame that you could ever want. You have all of the wealth that you could ever have. What's next? You know what he said? He said, you're right. I have everything. But surely there's more to life than this. You imagine that? He said, on national television, I got everything. But surely... There's more to life than this. This is the same idea that this young man is coming to Jesus. He's got everything he could possibly want. And he comes to Jesus and he says, surely there's got to be more to life than this. (laughs) The point is, there's no amount of success that can get you what you're truly longing for. There's no amount of good grades that'll get you there. There's no amount of money that's going to get you there. There's no amount of, uh, of uh, Bible studies you can attend that's going to get you there, or church attendance that's going to get you there, or, or money given to the church that's going to get you there. There's no amount of good works. There's no amount of following the law. There's no amount of success that can buy your ticket for eternal life. None. None. It can't be earned. It can only be received. And so the, the question that we've got to ask is, well, then, then how, do we, how do we get it? If I can't earn it, if I can't buy it, if I can't work for it, then what's the answer really? Well, Jesus answers that question in verse 24. He says, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, so often we'll read this verse and we think that it's about money and we'll think, man, well, if that's the case, then then maybe I don't want all this money after all. 
But that would be to miss the point. Jesus is not laying an indictment on money. He is not against wealth. He cares very much with how you spend the money that, by the way, is his. He does care about that. You're a steward of your finances, but that's not the point here. See, what you have to remember is like the woman at the well or like Philip who's sitting under a tree while everyone else only sees the facade that you put before them, Jesus sees the heart. He sees your heart. That's a dangerous truth, isn't it? See, what Jesus knows about this man may be something far more than he even knows about himself. And that is that this man loves his wealth more than he desires eternal life. What Jesus sees within his own heart, within his heart, this man standing before him, it's not money that's the problem. It's the fact that he loves his money and he loves his wealth and he loves his power and he loves his respect and he loves all the things that come with it more than he desires eternal life. I wonder if there's anything in your life this morning that you would honestly say, Jesus, here's the one thing that I love more than I desire you. Here's the one thing that I desire more than eternal life. Maybe that's your health. Maybe it's your job, your family, your career. But let me remind you what Jesus says at the end of verse 29 and on to 30. He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Maybe you see in this list the things that you desire more than you desire eternal life. It cannot be earned, but only received. In verse 23, in verse 23, when Jesus says this to this man, here's what happens. The text says that he becomes very sad. Why? For he was extremely rich. He walks away sad. He walks away sad again because he finally comes face to face with the reality of the true motives of his heart. That in the end, he desires the wealth and all that comes with it more than he desires God and eternal life. Now, frustrated by what he says, there's a crowd who's listening to what Jesus has to say here. And somebody from the crowd shouts out. You see it here in the text. It says, well, then, if that's the case, then who can be saved? Who can be saved then? In other words, if eternal life is not based on being good or following the law or our success, then who in the world can actually be saved? And here's the answer to the question. Anyone who is willing to give their heart to Jesus. Anyone who is willing to give their heart to Jesus. 
See, Jesus doesn't care so much about your wealth or how good you are or how well you follow the law. What he does care is are you willing to devote your heart to him? To give your heart to him because here's what, here's what Jesus knows. If you give your heart to him, all of the rest of those things will come with it. What Jesus cares far more than anything else is what do you love more than him? Are you willing to give your heart fully, fully devoted to him? To have an undivided heart? Now, it's important to understand what Jesus says in verse 27. To this question, he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Who can be saved? Well, understand that to be saved is impossible with man. You can't earn it. But what is impossible with man is, in fact, possible with God. What Jesus is saying here is that while there is nothing that you can do to, inter- to earn eternal life, it is possible for God to give it to you. All it takes is belief. All it takes is belief. And this morning, the same offer is extended to you and to me this morning. John 3.16, one of the most well-memorized uh, well verses in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. If you want to know, how do I get eternal life? If you want to know how to experience purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in your life, understand that the path of purpose begins with belief in Jesus. It begins with the relationship within, with, with him. In fact, apart from a relationship with him over the next eight weeks as we talk about this discipleship pathway of connecting, growing, serving, and multiplying, all of these steps will, will, will not matter at all to you because they don't apply to you if you haven't gotten step one first. Step one is you must connect with Jesus because when you connect with him, when you, give, when you, when you come before him and you admit that you're a sinner, you, can, you, you believe on him that he has come to this earth, he's given his life for you, and you confess him as Lord, he then gives you his spirit, and it's, in, it's through the working of his spirit in you that you're able to grow to truly grow in your love for him and love for others. And, and then that's how you serve. He gives a gifting to you to, to serve the body, to build up his body, his, his family. And then he gives you the commission to evangelize and disciple. How do you evangelize someone that you do not know? How do you help someone grow into something and grow towards something of whom you do not know? You can't. And so the beginning step of a path of purpose, meaning, and value is to begin a relationship with Jesus. Because when you begin a relationship with Jesus, it transforms everything in your life. And so for the next couple of minutes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to point your attention at the screen. I've got a video of a good friend of mine. His name's Jerry. 
I want you to see how the gospel has dramatically transformed his life. And because it's transformed his life, and it's transformed my life, and it's transformed many of the lives in this room, I want you to know that it can transform your life as well. All right, guys. Man, that is a powerful, powerful story. You know, we all have stories. We all have various different stories of backgrounds of where we've come from. And maybe your story is not like Jerry's, but you have a story. Maybe that story looks like trying to achieve a certain level of goodness or avoiding all the bad things. And that if you do that, then maybe you'll inherit eternal life. Or maybe it's, man, if I just have the right grades, if I just have the right look, if I attend church, if I just get close enough to it, maybe then I can gain eternal life. But the reality is, is you can't earn it. You can only receive it. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive it. Maybe for the very first time. Maybe for the very first time. And so here in the quietness of the moment, I want you just to go to the Lord in prayer. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. And I want us to just share a moment with the Lord. And maybe you're in the room and and you have just, man, you've been striving and you're working and you're like this young ruler who maybe has everything, who's spent their whole life trying to follow all the rules and make all the right decisions and all of those things, but they've left you standing there going, surely there's more to life than this. Surely there's more. If that's you, this is an opportunity just to come to the Lord and say, God, I, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that you've placed eternity in my heart and I'm looking for that. I desire that, I want that. I want eternal life and I recognize that, that I've been trying to place all these different things into that hole. And now for the very first time, I'm realizing that, that I can't earn it. I can only receive it. And I believe that Jesus has come to this earth. He's given his life for me. He's living a perfect life. He followed the law to, to, the, letter, to the letter of the law. He's, he's done it perfectly. He went to the cross. He performed the life I could not perform, died the death that I deserve so that I may have eternal life. And then simply just confess him as Lord. Say, Lord, I... I give my heart to you, undivided. Here's my heart. And for those of us in the room who've done that, who have given the Lord our heart, Lord, I just pray. I pray that this morning, maybe, maybe we've gone back towards that road of trying to prove ourselves and trying to follow the law and avoid all the do's and the don'ts and all the things that we found ourselves just exhausted. Maybe this is just an opportunity to come back, to take a deep breath and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving me what I could never earn myself. And because I couldn't earn it, I can never lose it. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the work that you have done for me on the cross that I stand right I stand just before a holy God, not because of anything I've done, but because everything that you have done on my behalf in Christ Jesus. And I can hold on to that this morning.
that that is the sure and steady anchor for my soul. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.